Autobots, transform! <laughs> Not you, Bumblebee. Welcome back to more and less than meets the eye. This is a Transformers podcast in which we are swapping between the critically panned live action movies for the most part, although allegedly this is the best one, wink wink, uh, and the critically acclaimed uh, comic books by James Roberts. This time, as I just alluded to, we are back on the movie side for episode 13, as of this recording, the most recent, uh, not last, but most recent Transformers movie it is rise of the beasts and i am joined by my favorite beast boy his name is ben phillips ben how you doing i I think i'm changing my name to garth for this (laughs) podcast recording (laughs) so i could be actual beast boy Uh or changeling if you want to go by his original name in the comic books yeah little garmanana uh as he's called in my household that makes sense to no one anyway (laughs) I'll cut that from this episode. <laughs> you don't have to. People are made to watch Titans and they hear the name Gar and they're like, Gar Manana. Anyway, this is Rise of the Beasts. It is simultaneously a sequel to Bumblebee and kind of a reboot of the whole timeline. But also, allegedly, according to the producers, not at all because continuity is for nerds. I'm paraphrasing, but only slightly. Um, yeah, I think Lorenzo Di Bonaventura is like, hey, don't get caught up in how it all makes sense. And it's like, I'd rather you didn't say that as the person sort of overseeing this franchise. But I understand that that has kind of been the energy that Michael Bay always ran it with. Michael Bay made them a billion dollars a few times, so who am I to argue? But it sure does continue to break the timeline uh, as we discussed in Bumblebee, like very canonically in 2007, everyone except Bumblebee arrived on Earth for the first time. And then they all arrived, started to arrive in Bumblebee, and they're still here. And <laughs> like, I don't know, are they saying Optimus and Co. will leave between now and 2007 and then return and not mention they've been here before? I truly do not know. But yeah, we all asked for Beast Wars for a very, very long time, and we got it question mark (laughs) i mean this seems to be the thing that is very true of hasbro and has been true of them for like 20 years or so which is they seem to be aware that beast wars is popular like you look at like fan vote contests for like most popular transformers and once you get through kind of the top six or seven autobots and decepticons like wasn't the first one that was inducted into their like hall of fame dinobot yeah before anyone else before optimus before megatron unless they just shoved optimus and megatron in without even asking but as far as i know the winner of the very first fan vote to go into the hall of fame uh was dinobot so the hall of fame so that so dinobot won the first year so they gave them out to optimus bumblebee megatron and starscream were like that makes sense were like i guess the like judges choices for for the characters and then dinobot was the one who was inducted by a fan nomination and over time do we know who he beat to get in yeah, so the, the nominations in 2010 for the fan vote were Soundwave, Grimlock, Jazz, Shockwave, and Dinobot. That's... So he beat his other Dinobot. In yeah, there. he also beat Soundwave. Yes. That's pretty... I mean, I think of Shockwave as right up there as well, but Soundwave's incredibly popular. So Yeah, yeah Soundwave, that... Soundwave was literally inducted the next year as well, which was yeah. Ironhide, Ratchet, Soundwave, and then Waspinator, another Beast Wars character. Yeah. People fucking love 
when Dinobot holds the golden disc and quotes Shakespeare and ponders existentialism and determinism and fatalism and dies protecting the nascent human race and all kinds of other things. And it's a very good show. It maybe visually hasn't aged the greatest, but the writing or the characterization and the tight focus on a small cast, treating them like people, like obviously transforming comes up, but you could basically swap them out with any characters. Uh, like they could be people, they could be superheroes, they could be whatever. And the writing would broadly remain the same. Whereas something that's become very apparent in these movies is they cannot divorce themselves from the idea these guys are giants and they're hefty and like they're fundamentally tied to disguising themselves as cars and <laughs> they exist only to give expositional dialogue and be like watch out and no and say each other's names beast was always like i just think it had more sophisticated writing it's still not you know <laughs> it's still a kid's show but I mean, but is that interesting because it is the like that 90s i feel like there were more tv shows like when you when you think of animated tv shows you have that like massive surge in the 80s yeah. which is obviously like the deregulation of advertising and so basically all these toy companies are running over like jumping over themselves to like put out as many programs as possible that are advertising a toy line that's where you get transformers that's where you get uh like care bears and all these all these shows that are existing and the animation quality isn't all there and like there's nostalgia for them but they definitely aren't held up as kind of like bastions of the genre and i feel like in the 90s is where you start to get this run of like batman the animated series gargoyles beast wars these these shows that are probably aimed at a slightly older audience but aren't interested in kind of holding hands or not dealing with kind of like dumbing down the material in a lot of ways and i obviously there are still animated shows that are made in that way nowadays that don't treat the audience like they're dumb kids but i feel yeah. like there are less shows like that nowadays yeah and like it was famous like transformers was dying at the time we are way past the the advent of the g1 cartoon and the movie and the toys selling like absolute gangbusters like they tried g2 which didn't really hot i mean the le the legacy of g2 is it then leads to you calling what came before it g1 really um, but they do a few redesigns some reskins they try and bring it back out it doesn't really work they kind of just stop making transformers in the west carries on in japan yeah japan is Japan is the one that's holding up. They've they've been doing like sequel series and yeah. and spin-offs and all the rest of it for for, for forever. Yes, <laughs> but then along comes Beast Wars as first a toy line and then you know as is tradition promote the toys with a show. But it is far less of a like shameless tie-in and far more of an actual you know ongoing serialized series. And like it's also famous for being the first fully three D animated. I th yeah, I think there have been 3D animated like episodes and sequences and like occasions, but yeah, I do think this is the first show where every single frame was animated with yeah. 3D animation. And you you see things like Reboot and and all these other like little cult shows that had their hot minute, but yeah, I mean it it it, it fizzled out like I think moving to Transmetals maybe didn't work out like they'd like and then they do Beast Machines and then just quietly goes away and but it's still like it's still a show that ran for five seasons and has yeah. uh i mean i guess it's got like almost 
it's got that like standard 65 episode run that a lot of these animated shows yeah. were going to obviously it's not the the disney everything is locked into 65 episodes yeah. but like they what it was 26 episodes in the first season 13 in the second 13 in the third and then they go to beast machines which is another like 26 episode show so like yeah. it, it's not it didn't not run for a long time yeah, no, it, it it was it was really popular. Like, I, I think people of our generation super into. We told our Transformers origin stories in episode zero, and they both heavily involved Beast Wars and sort of falling backwards into Transformers in a way. Um, you more so than me, but like I, you know, I liked Transformers, but I loved Beast Wars, and mm. you know, it gets kind of shoved aside to go do you know the 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 Energon trilogy and the all the armada and prime and now the here come the live action movies so fuck beasts and everything like that and it becomes this sort of thing that like the online transformers fandom are begging for beast wars content like please give us a new show please give us a movie please put the beasts into the movies we've got you know all of this and like whenever it vaguely comes up michael bay is like nah i think that's kind of dumb i think um, but when that vaunted writer's room is set up, that leads to Bumblebee, and eventually leads to this, they very knowingly <laughs> say the phrase Beast Wars, and the fandom rightfully gets kind of whipped up into a frenzy, and then they go and confirm, I think it was called Beast Alliance originally, this movie, which, you know, bad title, gets changed to Rise of the Beasts. And sure enough, here we have a handful of Beast Wars-esque characters. Only Maximals, no Predacons. And yeah, I mean, techni- technically some Predacons, if you want to get... Are you, are you attributing Scorponok? Or... Yeah, I'm attributing Scorponok. Yeah, but they're like drones, and they all work for Unicron. No, and... I know, but they've never done Scorponok right in any no, of these No, sure. But I mean, you know, if you said to a fan, we're doing a Beast Wars movie, you're like, oh, cool, Dinosaur Megatron, right? No. <laughs> is, is the key Is the key thing here. Um, you know, fans love Waspinator, fans love Dino Megatron, fans quite like when Pterosaur briefly like got ideas about his station. People like Tarantulas and Black, Black Arachnia, and I personally fucking loved Rampage. I always want to say Ravage, but it's Rampage, the, the indestructible one. You know, it goes on and on and on. Inferno, all these others. Yeah. And, and none of them are here. <laughs> none of them are here in, in what is kind of just continuing the trend of this franchise, which is that they're aware that people like the Beast Wars, and yeah. they will like throw the throw the fans a bone, kind of like every yep. five years or so since the show ended in two thousand, yep. and it will be like we're doing a comic series, we're doing a, a, a reboot of the toy line, mm-hmm. and it will run. They did like... that um, the the Netflix trilogy of, of shows, yep. like which is really bad, made by Rooster Teeth. Which you know, if you told me when I started following Rooster Teeth, they're going to eventually produce a Netflix Transformers trilogy, and it's not going to be any good at all. Uh, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, season three of that is full on. Here are all the Beast Wars characters. Um, they do fuck it right up. The the there was a comic that launched for the twenty fifth anniversary. It was all right. Um, not of the stand of the comics we've been talking about on this podcast, but you know, all right. And then that is abruptly cancelled because IDW are losing the Transformers license, um, and we have new Transformers comics coming later this year. But yeah, Beast Wars has enjoyed this kind of like, it, it, I don't want to, this is crass language, but like, you know, you feel like you're almost in an abusive relationship as a Beast Wars fan, where every now and then they give you this hope, and then it's like, ah, nah, whatever. You know, I yeah, can't, like, I can't it, say there aren't Beast Wars characters in this movie, and they didn't put fucking Optimus Primal front and center in the trailers and the 
posters and they didn't hire Ron Perlman to play him and all of that stuff, but it's not quite what I wanted. <laughs> no, it, it feels like that is the trend of this entire thing where, like, even in the IDW 2005 universe, like, the beasts have shown up. Like, mm-hmm. Rat Trap is a major supporting character in the other book that's running concurrently with More Than Meets the Eye. Waspinator can uh, control Titans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Waspinator was in Dark Cybertron. Um, they they, they all show up eventually, every single like, one of them. It, I mean, I, I've not got to a point in my reading where I've got to like Optimus Primal. Yeah, or they they, they do guys. Optimus Primal and, and Dino Megatron do very briefly. I think they're like background or like don't look too carefully at them kind of characters. Yeah, it's kind, they of, they it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to do those two characters since they are yeah. supposed to be echoing the Optimus Prime and Megatron. Yeah. And I, I always assumed that's, that was what their hang-up would be. Like, kids will be confused why there's a character called Megatron that isn't Megatron or a character called Optimus Prime that isn't Optimus Prime. My counterpoint would be, you've presented Megatron in about eight different designs. <laughs> <laughs> why um, couldn't he just be a dinosaur in this one yeah why the fuck not and like you know he's called optimus primal and he is a gorilla and he does say i'm named after you like i don't think kids are that stupid no um, i don't think they're that stupid but this movie seems so uninterested in digging into what that, that means <laughs> yeah um, thing is like they they put the beast in because they know some fans will get excited but then you go see this movie and i think literally my first text after i saw this in the cinema were like Cheetor and Rhinox have like one line each. I know, like I know, they they I say know. like fucking nothing. And like this is as you said, this is a show which there is a, a relatively expansive toy line. I don't think it ever yeah. got to the levels of like the Transformers, like G one cartoon where like no, every but there episode are, there is introducing like, a new character. Yeah, kind of but thing. there are like way more toys and characters um, that then end up in some comics. Um, yeah, yeah, than but, there like, ever the, were the, characters in the show. Like, exactly. Like, the toy line is like the first wave of the to- toy line is like sixteen toys, and the show kind of always tops out a regular cast of, like, five Maximals and five Predacons. Kind really. Of. I think you, go to, you, you end up with, like, six to seven. But, yeah, I mean, there's a but core like, like, group. They grow out, they get smaller again, they grow out again. Like, yeah, like, they, but even then in this one, there's, like, characters who, like, come in and out. There's, like, characters they'll run into every few episodes. But, like, yeah. the, the, the core four that they introduce in episode one of Optimus Primal, Rhinox, Rattrap, and Sheetor are, like... Yeah. There throughout all of it, and then obviously they add on Dinobot and Black Arachna by the end of the by the end of the run. There's like the other core Maximals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then this movie is like, well, there's no Rat Trap, which I guess He's, makes sense. so. Stephen Capel has like allegedly said he will be in the sequel. We just didn't have room for him. We shall see. They have already announced two sequels to this, not including Transformers One and not including the GI Joe crossover. Oh, <gasps> GI Joe crossover. <laughs> Well, not excitedly get to that in about half an hour or so. What do you mean? Aren't we announcing we're doing the G.I. Joe series after this where we're doing all three G.I. Joe movies? We're doing G.I. Joe 1, 2, and Snake Eyes. If you write down the amount of money that you'd be willing to pay me to do that, I will give you an answer off air. Um, (laughs) Anyway, yeah. I mean, that is your core group. And, like, you know, they swap out Rat Trap for Air Razor. You get some gender balance. Air Razor and Tigertron were, like, vaguely likable in the show. I'm not mad at them. They toss Michelle Yeoh some money. If it ended up being a Francis McDormand situation where it turns out Michelle Yeoh got paid more for this than everything everywhere all at once, that would be quite funny. I (laughs) doubt it, though. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not mad at them putting Air Razor in. I'm more mad at them for not having Predacons than I am like the emission of Rat Trap, the emission of Tigerdron, you know, whatever else you want to call them out for emitting. Um, instead, we have Scourge and the Terracons, who like 
would be a perfectly fine villain for Optimus and his crew. Sorry, I now realise I have to distinguish which Optimus I mean. <laughs> Optimus Prime. I know, that's like, I, Truck, I not monkey. <laughs> I literally texted you one watching this movie yesterday where I was like, it's weird that people call Optimus Prime just Prime because there's so many Primes, but they've also run into the reverse of that problem now where they can't just call him Optimus because there's another Optimus in this yeah. movie. I mean, you know, way back when, he was the only Prime, and it was his surname. Like, uh, it wasn't a title. Like, it was it was just his name, and now we've come full circle to this. Yes, Scourge and the Terracons would be a perfectly fine foe for Truck Not Monkey. The various Michael Bay characters, sure, why not? It's, it's another vaguely scary-looking evil guy. Here he comes, but like... If you're doing a group of beasts, why wouldn't you put them against some other beasts? Like, <laughs> But I guess that's the thing, is like, they should put them against some beasts. I guess in a world where the most popular villains of the Maximals are dinosaurs. Yeah. Or is a dinosaur, I guess, because it really is just Dinosaur Megatron, because obviously they've got Dinobot on, on the, the Maximal side. Yeah. But in, in In the way that, like, you know, classically... The Autobots were cars and trucks, and the Decepticons were planes and, like, tanks. The Maximals are mostly mammals, and the Decepticons were, like, bugs and, and reptiles and stuff. Like, it's it's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they, they code them that way, but I guess it is, like, if you have a gorilla, a rhino, and a cheetah going up against a scorpion and a wasp, it's... I can see why they would go like, oh, it's a little bit underwhelming to do yeah, any but advertising. They, they, no, they they made sure that they scaled, like, Scorponok, I feel, fucked a lot of them up as, like, a giant scorpion. Like, Tarantulas fucking almost ate Cheetor in one episode. Oh, um, I'm, I'm not saying that I think this. I'm just saying in the advertising, if, like, I if you're dealing with the... I think respond to big, scary bug monsters, and I think this would have worked just fine, personally. <laughs> Like, okay, like, but, I yeah, think kids are scared is... of spiders and wasps and stuff like that. Or they're like, oh, gross! I love them. Um... Yes, but they have also <laughs> pinned an entire movie on the promise of dinosaurs and the promise of dinosaurs teaming up with the Autobots. And I think that is kind of like what cuts them off at the the, the legs here is that they can't do Dino Predacons, and instead they pivot the villain into being what in reality is, and I would not be surprised if, if there was an early draft, turned out to be budget Tarn, essentially. I just, I just don't think Tarn is a big enough deal. I don't think he's a big of... enough name. But I, I, but I know I, he's I, wearing a mask that like is vaguely adjacent to the Decepticon logo, but it's the Terracon logo, but like... <sighs> yeah, I mean, they are, you know, in, in the classic animated movie... Unicron turns Megatron and others in, in he turns him into Galvatron and he gives him Scourge and he gives him Cyclonus and he's like off you go and we've done Megatron as Galvatron and Cyclonus isn't getting a whiff of these movies so Scourge is your next one up he's fine and the same way that Lockdown was like fine as like a menacing evil Decepticon-y type character but I don't know the, I, I do the agree movie... that Tarn isn't big enough yeah but Tarn has shown up in a cartoon relatively recent in comparison to this. So, like, they obviously are aware that Tarn is someone who people care about. Like, Tarn is the villain of, like, the fourth season of the the Cyberverse show. 
which sure, only was it, which only aired like two years before this movie comes out. Yeah, I just and think when, like when, what when, is Tarn without the DJD person? I know he's a cool design, and I guess that's all they're looking for. But yeah, yeah, it, it feels like what they've done is they've gone like, well, Scourge was a character related to Unicron hmm. in the movie, and obviously as as we mentioned on last night episode, everything in the the Transformers the movie is like sacrosanct, like it is. Yeah. Everything in that is holy text. Everything, every concept, everything must be used at some point. And Scourge is like not the last big piece of that movie, but definitely like one that just hasn't been adapted. It's fun that he's uh, beaten Ultra Magnus into the fucking thing. Yeah, and and as another thing, like just the vi- like when you announce that name, and at some point they show the gorilla, and like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll be into this. Just as some of these movies go, I think it's always a big red flag when the marketing just dumps out huge amounts of plot details because ticket sales aren't hot enough like a few weeks before release because they put fucking Unicron in the trailers and it's like, surely this is your big reveal. Two, if you want to call them mainline movies in a row, we have a big Unicron secret and this time he is not the Earth itself. He is a separate entity which again breaks their continuity, so don't think about it, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's a very awkward coalescence of ideas with a sequel to Bumblebee, with, you know, the main cast, you know, Optimus Prime and all your others. You're going to debut a brand new, like, human and Transformer buddy duo um, (laughs) for, for reasons. You are bringing in Beasts, you are bringing in Scourge and the Terracons, and then you're slapping Unicron on the top of all of this. It just makes it so messy. I don't understand this obsession with taking so many ideas and just slapping them together and seeing if something happens. Like it's I really they're... am begging people to pick a lane. <laughs> it's because they're doing the cinematic universe thing. They're following Marvel and Marvel. Mm. And and again, it's similar to that we complain about like what the influence that the Dark Knight had over cinema for a while, where everyone kind of took what the Dark Knight did and did. Everything needs to be grounded and dark and gritty. And it's like no, no, no. <laughs> Those movies are dumber than you think they are. And they are part of like a cohesive worldview from a director who like knows what they're doing, and and that's fundamentally what made them work. And and stapling the Dark Knight point of view onto what's a franchise that did a Dark oh, Knight they did. type thing? It, it, all like, of them. Mike and I used to have this running game of like the Dark Knight of the whatever franchise. Like they yeah, got ridiculous I, with it. Like like yeah. children's IP was getting called the Dark Knight of like I don't know fucking Sonic or whatever. Yeah. And but I think that is like the MCU has had this overall negative effect in terms of everyone going like the way we build a cinematic universe is by throwing in seventeen different ingredients and then we carry forward the kind of like the three or four that pop and it's like okay but that I, means you're not I, I, actually paying attention to the seventeen ingredients you're throwing in you're you're kind of throwing in seventeen and are, and are gonna retroactively go well these were the four that we always cared about and i think that's my complaint is that like i'm not even mad about doing that like i'm not mad about like carrying a plot line and a series of characters through multiple movies i'm not mad about like giving a shout out to the nerds who know what easter eggs are for me it's the like the absolute rush job that every other studio has done and now marvel have begun to do themselves they used to build it relatively slowly and organically or like baby steps almost it's that this is 
Like, I'm not mad at them for doing Beast Wars. I'm not mad at them for crossing over with G.I. Joe. I'm mad that they're trying to do all of that in one movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, is, like, I, they're, I they're would rather you just did your Beast Wars movie and then did another Transformers movie and then, like, who's the ultimate... Who's the Thanos of 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 uh, Transformers? Oh, it's Unicron. We must unite our casts. Like, here are the G.I. Joes. Here are the... You know, what are G.I. Joe going to do against Unicron? Yeah, I mean, Fucking we, nothing. But, like... yeah. The, the pitch that you said to me for what make, would make this work is if if you did a proper Beast Wars movie, if you did a these guys land on Earth and have a war with the Predacons and then have to go into hibernation or something because yeah, they've, yeah. they've woken too early in comparison to the Autobots or like I, I don't know. I mean, you, you I, again, I don't even particularly care about the continuity. If you want to make it so that Autobots landed here in an arc instead of being like seven individual fucking spaceships like at the end of Bumblebee, <laughs> fucking yeah. go for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but just just as long as there is something where like the Maximals get developed and there is a cast of characters I like there, and then you get to do another fun Autobot movie, and then if you want like fucking do Minicons, fucking do a GI Joe movie where like they find a like they find Mirage and Mirage tagging along with them, like you can do these things slowly and organically yes. rather than here is one cast who you know a little bit here are here is another new member of the cast who's going to tie into a different franchise and then here is a whole other cast that people are aware from another media but we're not going to do them properly we're going to do them half-arsedly yeah. and in a way that is in no in in line with no other previous incarnation yeah. of them which and, and... i guess is the other weakness of the beast wars is that there is no mm. apart from the original cartoon there is no set this is what the beast characters do sure my assumption of why they didn't just do a Beast Wars movie is their marketing team are like you simply must have Optimus Prime and Bumblebee or we will not make any money whatsoever and that might even be true but there are ways around these things like they did a whole Bumblebee solo movie that they found a way to shove Optimus Prime all over and he was all over the marketing and he was there were a ton of toys and they found a way to do it like do a beast wars movie and do a fucking modern day transformers prologue and epilogue to bookend it or some shit i don't know that's your job not mine we should talk about the fucking movie really i know we're talking around the movie but it just in comparison to the michael bay movies which are chaos and bloat and and just actually kind of hard to summarize. Bayhem, they like to call it. Bayhem. This movie is so slight in comparison. <laughs> yeah, like like Bumblebee is Bumblebee is slight, but Bumblebee is slight on purpose. Bumblebee this... focused in on a key thing, laser focused on it, cut everything else to the side, and just made just ran with their one thing. This is just kind of it feels so lifeless. It, it, it is entirely empty calories in movie making, and like, I'm not, I, I feel ill after watching some of the Michael Bay movies because there's just <laughs> so much nonsense and like awfulness going on. But yeah. like, I'm not gonna not say that like I feel full afterwards. I feel I I'm potentially overfull. I have been force fed food against my will, and I kind of like, have to go have a sit down. Whereas this movie is like they've given me like half a mint and gone like cool you feel satisfied i'm like no not not I mean, really i'm not mad at them for making it short and sweet it moves you know it doesn't have the just abject atrocity of two and five it isn't a slow plod like four but beyond you know as i said to you before we started recording it just process of eliminations its way gradually up the, from the bottom of the rankings but it's not yeah. there's still a big gap in my opinion yeah but... it's it, 
it's inoffensive, but like that in some way just means it's forgettable. Yeah. It's similar to, to the, the other ones. Is it worse to be boring or bad? Like, is it worse to be inoffensive so you just sort of skirt by unnoticed than it is to just try something and be shitty? Yeah. Um, and, and and the thing is, this is the second time I feel that Stephen Capel Jr. has done this. And yeah. <laughs> I think Creed 2 is a better movie than Rise of the Beasts. I yeah, think that absolutely. Is absolutely. Yeah. But it is very much like. Creed 2 is a movie that just kind of exists, in my opinion. There's yeah, not really... No one, no one has a hot take on Creed 2, really. Um, no, like, like Creed 1 is better, Creed 3 is better, yeah. and... So, yeah, like, as, as we said in, in, in Bumblebee, like, you know, they have this surprising little critical darling. Doesn't make a ton of money, but also doesn't cost a lot of money. For whatever reason, Travis Knight, Christina Hodson, not brought back. Both were talking about ideas for a sequel, but instead they hit up different writers for ideas for sequels and they end up just sort of like mushing them together and combining them in the writer's room and all that shit so we have stephen capel jr as you said coming over to take the director's chair um the screenwriting credits end up being a fucking mess because you have what joby harrell darnell matea josh peters eric hober and john hober all credited as screenwriters on this thing generally a red flag when there's that many writers on one thing i'm sure there are many good movies with multiple writers this is not really one of them uh and the other big thing is they've, they've been using ilm um for years and years to do special effects and while i don't like the designs the special effects have generally been impressive from a technical standpoint ilm are busy with transformers one the animated movie that is supposed to come out like fucking about a year from now and also ilm costs a lot of money so they hire the much cheaper npc who come in and are just weighing over their heads and there's all this talk of like they have to rush wetter in and on like six months notice they have to like completely tear the movie apart in places they add in the prologue with the maximals home world they completely redo the final battle all this kind of stuff you know there, there are talks of all these differences in a test screening from like a two and a half three hour cut that contains all these extra plot lines that just get dumped and maybe that is what we're picking up on when we say it feels so slight is maybe it's just been edited to the bone and like whatever like in amongst whatever mess or whatever you're also pulling out whatever counted as a like through line or a heart of the damn thing <laughs> like you can tell when something's been chopped a lot I think. Yeah, um, and I think this one is definitely one where, like, you just hear about stuff that was in this movie at one point, but then isn't in there anymore, and it feels uh, super weird. I, it's hard to say exactly, like, how much this has been, like, chopped and changed in post, but it definitely does feel that that has happened to it. I mean, the most famous one at this point is, it's very similar to Bumblebee. They completely changed the opening between, yes. like, test screenings and release, where the original opening is really setting the stage for optimus murdering decepticons that are hiding on planet earth yep. and they change that out so they get to the beast quicker and they have a prologue set on the maximals home planet um, which they're super is. not clear about like i was like oh they're on earth and i was like nope <laughs> they are not my friend and like you know as i said and, and as we're talking about like having this other special effects company come in and have to quickly throw this together that is why you get Ben, tell me everything you know about Ape Link. <laughs> uh, I know that he is... Uh, like, was he originally a toy who was just a recolored yes. remold of Optimus Primal? And I yes. think that is where my entire knowledge ends. I, I believe that is where the entire character ends. <laughs> but, yeah, so like they are on their world. 
we don't have just one gorilla, we have two gorillas. One is Ape Link. I guess it makes sense if you were trying to put this together quickly, rather than design a whole new animated character, just fucking take Optimus and switch his design- sorry, Optimus Primal, and switch- <laughs> this is gonna get annoying. I'm gonna call him Monkey and Truck, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, we can we, we can call him, like, Primal and Pax if you want. <laughs> no, they're not using that terminology. I'm not going to give them that. Um, when I, I'm going to say Prime and Primal, maybe. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, you just take Primal and you just do a copy-paste and you just change some edge details a bit. Like, their, like, quote-unquote fur is slightly different and stuff like that. Knowing all of that, I'm like, okay, I get why you did it. But, re- but watching it not knowing that, I'm like, couldn't this have been... I don't know, Tigertron or Beast Wars Prowl, who's a lion or something like that, as the former he, Maximal leader. <laughs> isn't he, like, historically not even the leader of the Maximals, like Ape Link? Like, I, I've no, never no. heard Ape Link. No, no, in, no, no. In just... Yeah, I think it's literally just them looking to do a passing of the torch moment and Primal have it being thrust into a position of leadership, which I think is vaguely in keeping with the character. Like, he was the leader of a small science vessel, but he was in no way, like, um, commander of whatever you want to call the Autobots these days. <laughs> so yeah, I get he, that, but is he was he made because Optimus Primal had obviously tri- like evolved into his? I mean, I don't even know what model he would have been using at that point. Um, Ape Link is a copy of the Transmetal, like the blue and blue and silver. Yeah, but, Optimus, but, but he's coloured like red, I think. And... But at this point in the series, Optimus Optimus Primal is Optimal Optimus. So he's no, the... the one in between those. So you got no, I know, I know. That's the one that Ape Link is. But obviously, mm-hmm. they want to carry on selling that toy. So oh right, yeah. Probably. The main Optimus yeah. toy is Optimal Optimus, but they want to still have a toy on the shelves that is the the in between version. Almost certainly, yeah. So yeah, they're they're on this planet. Here comes Scourge. He's looking for the Transwarp key. The Maximals get it away. Scourge murders Ape Link, um, and you know he adds a badge to his body. I wasn't mad, you know, aside from the, like, what the fuck is Ape Link doing here, I wasn't mad about this scene. It's like, you know, here are the beasts in action. We've got jung- we've got vegetation instead of, like, fucking Chicago. Scourge comes across badass. I'm fine with it all. Did you did you pause to have a look at the badges on his arm? Because that is definitely something I've like seen. Wreckers and, and yeah, there's like a wrecker badge. There's like a there's an Autobot badge. I think there's a Decepticon badge. There's an Insecticon badge. There's a, yeah. a Predacon badge. They've got like all the all the badges. Yeah. If you want to experience true mental illness, go look at the full list of badges in all of Transformers. There's like twenty five. Um, and even the fandom are like, no, 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 there are four. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, so we get all that. Set the scene. Uh, it's now 1994. It is somewhere in the northeastern United States. Truly impossible to say where. Obviously, Wu-Tang Clan's cream has to play to set the scene. We have to have footage of Tupac, <laughs> posters, all that. Um, Anthony Ramos is fine. You know, he, he is our latest in a long line of quite frankly, cursed human protagonists. He is no Hayley Steinfeld as Charlie, uh, but Noah's perfectly okay, I suppose. I do feel a little sorry for him, mm-hmm. because obviously, like, he is the one actor from Hamilton <laughs> who is getting these offers, I think it's fair to say, where he is getting lead roles in supposed blockbusters, which isn't really happening for any of the other actors or actresses in Hamilton. I guess... I guess, I guess a very minor part in Glass Onion doesn't really count, and, like, nobody watched Snowpiercer, and... 
Yeah, I mean, like, like David Diggs is like everyone. Everyone of that cast is working, but he yeah, is the yeah, only yeah. one who is getting like getting to lead summer blockbusters. Well, that's because straight up, Anthony Ramos is a very handsome man. So yes, and also he is young in comparison <laughs> yes. to a lot of the rest of that cast. Like well, David Diggs, he's got to be able to believably play Lin Manuel Miranda's son. Obviously, yes, yeah. It's, but like, like, even when you think of like what David, so when he was doing, he was in his mid twenties. Obviously, he's in his early thirties now. David Diggs is in his early forties, yeah. so. Like if you're gonna pin someone to be the the future hope of cinema, then you'd go with the one member of that cast who was young enough to do this, and so he got to lead in the Heights in 2021, which obviously flopped, and then this is his second time at bat, and is also kind of a flop. Yeah, didn't they? And, didn't they swap in the Heights and Hamilton, where like Hamilton was supposed to get the full theatrical release, and then uh, like they yes. were maybe gonna put in the Heights no. on Disney or something. It was it was the thing of in the, Hamilton was going to come out in cinemas the year after In the Heights was, and they were going to have like a summer blockbuster two years in a row. But when the pandemic happened, they put Hamilton online a year earlier, and then In the Heights got the summer release the next year. Mm. So there wasn't too much limo Miranda, and then obviously the probably the most successful of all three of those movies ended up being Tick Tick Boom <laughs> in the in the trilogy of limo Miranda musical projects. I mean, I, I like Tick Tick Boom. It's just I mean, it's just funny that I is the like one. I like Andrew Garfield. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but then the the sad thing is, is Anthony Ramos has obviously he's decided to do what almost everyone does, which is he is playing the villain of the next uh, of the Ironheart miniseries. Whenever yeah. that thing is going to come out, um, the hood. Yeah, it's like his agent has told him, "We've got a Marvel project on the table that will make you huge." And it's like you guys need to be vetting which Marvel project you're signing these people up for these days. I'm afraid, <laughs> like, yeah, it is not twenty. 17 anymore but he's also done blind spotting obviously the tv series spin-off of mm-hmm. the rafael casal and uh, david diggs movie yeah. um i think both of those have shown up as well in the in the in the show so i, d- I don't actually know whether or not like blind spotting is I, I, oh apparently it is set in the same continuity so it is yeah. the same world and all the characters are, are still floating around i guess so uh... and, but, but i think is these guys these guys are obviously tight in terms of the all the projects that they do and they keep on casting each other in in these projects but anthony ramos is the one who's had the chance to expand into like leading roles for for big for big movies yeah um i think honestly his biggest issue here is no offense to the people he's with but like i just don't think he's got like a big popping relationship with anyone but the little brother character essentially like there is very little chemistry uh, with Dominique Fishback, who I think really struggles in this movie. You know, I kind of, I think I've gotten the sense I like Mirage a lot more than you do, but even that isn't amazing. And then, like, he's trying his best to, like, have meaningful conversations with Optimus Prime, but, like, it's it's just maybe a step too far, and it feels like he is just acting against nothing a lot of the time. And, like, Haley Steinfeld rose to that challenge, and maybe a lot of that is Travis Knight, like working around the visual effects a lot more and like giving her physical props to work with and stuff and maybe this is what it would have been like if he hadn't done that with her and i'm sure it is very difficult to act against nothing but green screen it just feels like a very empty performance yeah i mean it does it and some people just naturally struggle in this and they are both given the the shittiest job in the world in which i i i have to imagine there's almost like no practical robots no. in this movie i've seen i've seen some behind the scenes stuff they obviously have the vehicles but like yeah. i would really be interested to see like how they do the scenes with mirage is there 
Pete Davidson like on stilts, kind of walking around in front of Anthony Ramos, and I, I, I kind of have to doubt it. I think Pete Davidson visited this set, is my opinion, <laughs> but maybe I could be wrong there. And that's the thing is, I mean, th- you say I don't vibe with Mirage, and I think Mirage is fine, but I think it is that kind of the, the most annoying thing it can be, which is you hire someone who has a big personality and you basically just want them to have that personality on the character rather than like you're, you're trying to shortcut character development by, by hiring a big name person to yeah, just do to, some Pete Davidson ad libbing and, and we'll animate around that. And it's like, mm, go write a character, go get a performer. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other and thing it, is it very obviously should have been one of either hot rod or jazz. Like, yeah. M- hilariously mirage's thing in g1 was he was one of the only ones that hated earth and wanted to leave and you've given him the character of i love earth culture which is jazz's thing or you know hot rod is another like you know rebellious young sports car human companions yeah let's go kind of guy and instead of with mirage i'm not i'm not mad at them i obviously would have preferred hot rod after what they did to my boy in in the last night but i I don't think Mirage is the reason this movie falls apart. Like I think no, I, there, there I are funny lines here and there. I think they get some good moments out of the things he can do with his powers and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we we obviously have to lay on our, our, our real thick. <laughs> like your entire character development will be up front, and then you will be the same person for the rest of the movie. Uh, so Noah, you know, he is a little tech expert. He is struggling to make ends meet. He is. You know, going for job interviews that are getting cancelled. He's ex-army. His little brother has sickle cell, which is a real heavy thing to put on a child character in a blockbuster. So he, you know, he ends up agreeing to help steal a car. I, I actually really like this shit heist he goes on. Like him sliding on the shut- under the shutters like he's a goddamn superhero. And then doing the world's worst blending in with the sort of like back of house stuff. And then... Obviously, the car he ends up stealing is Mirage. Um, they equally are setting up, you know, female lead of movie. Like it's very formulaic. This thing, <laughs> like here is the male lead, here is the female lead, here are the Transformers. Uh, Dominique Fishback as Elena, <sighs> downtrodden museum worker. Like she's verifying if stolen goods are real or not. She ends up coming across these Transformer artifacts and piecing together the central mystery and giving them the magical way to win at the end and i just think she's got aurora end of the deal here like she doesn't have a transformer to pop off and like they resist making this a romantic relationship so they end up not really vibing either and she just she is put in an unfair position i think yeah this is definitely the the material is not there for her to do much of anything like she plays smart well enough i guess yeah. But, like, again, it's like her one character trait is that she is the smart human. Really. Yeah, and, like, you know, I'm obviously going to sympathize with anyone who's, like, bosses abusing them and, like, you know, taking credit for their shit. And then at the end, she obviously becomes, like, a famous, like, oh, she unearthed all these Peruvian, like, underground mines and stuff. But it just, it falls very flat between there and there. I, and that, that because... scene almost feels tacked on as well. Like, oh, yeah, she had a thing, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, especially, like, when you think about all the characters who are like experts in like Cybertronian or Transformers history with Earth, in the Bay movies, they're always so big and so like, <laughs> like seemingly crazy because no one believes them. Where she just like she sees this, thinks it's weird, and then does all the research necessary to make her an expert in it. Where she is literally yeah. like, "Oh, we need to go to Peru 
as the thing we want are in Peru. And yeah, like I found some obscure text that's got people worshipping a giant monkey in Peru. Like She obviously finds the, the transwarp key, which creates a signal that I kind of like this as a touch that like only the Transformers can see the giant laser in the sky, so they all start converging on the humans, and Optimus is like, Optimus Prime <laughs> is like, hey, everyone needs to converge on my position, Mirage, 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 and like, you know, Noah is sitting in Mirage, I was like, well, <laughs> I guess Noah's coming with me. So we get this, I-, I think it's a fun enough little car chase. Obviously they pinned a lot of this in the marketing, like, you know, him using mirages to make like five clones of himself during the car chase that's that's decent fun i like him transforming him like he ends up backwards and he transforms yeah it's always fun when these movies... to reorient himself yeah yeah when these movies do something with the transformation stuff it's always interesting on like a visual level like i don't think it always makes sense like the bumblebee being able to come apart and become like 17 different pieces and then rebuild himself was bizarre in last night i hated it or if you're gonna do it make it an experimental new transformer don't like just give that to bumblebee out of nowhere (laughs) yeah but like i mean we had it in bumblebee where like bumblebee's arm is coming out the back of the car and stuff like that like yeah like these things show them part transforming do some like fun stuff with that and there's not enough of it presumably because it costs so much money to kind of like put that on the screen and and all the rest of it as this tradition the very first transformation everyone does is incredibly over elaborate with stages we will never see again bits of optimus prime are like adjusting themselves while he's talking and walking i do like that he puts noah up on a high shelf like a small (laughs) child or something um while while the transformers talk to each other something i don't love is they come to the same conclusion on three separate occasions (laughs) of like right this is a transformers problem go away earthlings hey we should use the earthlings to like help us achieve our goal like noah could go into the museum noah and elena could sneak into peru noah and elena could sneak under the bridge like i get what you're going for like how do humans make themselves useful when there are 30 foot killer robots like what use are you and you've got to find a way to give them something to do but it it just feels very like you've done the same thing three times but i guess that's like what they're going for is like this is optimus's arc is him becoming happy with humans essentially because they've they don't have the other movies to rely on so he's got to learn how to like humans and you get the like tossed off references to to bumblebee where like i know one of them was kind to you yeah steinfeld was was up for a return they didn't do it I would have appreciated... I mean, does bringing in someone better underline how much worse these two are? Probably, but I would have been happy to see her. Um, We probably should just acknowledge all of that now. Like, for the first time in any of these movies, they give Optimus Prime an emotional journey, in theory, where he fucking hates humans, does not trust them at all. He's very, very grouchy. And listen, Peter Cullen is a fucking legend. Not just as Optimus Prime, but just as a as a voiceover actor um, in general. The man is fucking 81 years old. He was not up for this. You know, I know the fandom would get pissed off if they cast someone else, and they probably already are, that like Chris Hemsworth is going to play fucking Optimus Prime. I'm mad because I think that doesn't make sense as a specific choice. I'm not mad that they've replaced <laughs> Peter Cullen, but yeah, like he is just not up for this or struggles to sound grumpy or whatever and it's it's wild because like optimus has been so poorly written in most of these movies and yet there's something about peter cullen doing monologues that just it works every time 
you know, for as bad as lines like give me your face and I'll kill you and I'll kill them all, all of that just seems so off. But hearing him at length like do diatribes about how untrustworthy humans are and everything, it's it's his weakest outing in the role in a really, really long time and yeah. it feels sad almost. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because I think this movie is pinning more on him, and it, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't land. They, they really. want you to go on the journey of Optimus Prime, learning humans have value, trust humans, don't just look out for Cybertron, learn to protect Earth. I, you know, like I get it, but it wasn't there. Is there, is there anyone else that you would like be interested in in voicing Optimus? Like, I'm looking at like who the who the people are that have voiced him in different things. Obviously, Alan Tudyk is voicing him in Earth Spark at the uh, Earth Spark at the moment. I don't like Alan uh, Tudyk. Alan Tudyk's Optimus Prime, personally. Um, uh, David David Kay has done him in the past. Yeah, Garrett David Kay's good. Gary Chalk was obviously Optimus Prime mole and was annoyed at them for not asking him to do it. Ron Perlman's pretty good though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm always gonna go for like go get a voice actor and like shine a light on them. Don't go for cast famous people. Um, so I would hit up, you know, a David Gaye, Gary Chalk, no problem. I don't know, Liam Neeson. <laughs> like fuck it, let's just go completely. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I feel. Would someone like Keith David do a good role as like an optimist? I he's feel like he's got like. Though, <laughs> he, he can do heroic because obviously he did gargoyles as well. Like if mm-hmm. we're if we're thinking of guys who are like able to cross over between TV yeah, and no. movies, or like, voice acting and and acting roles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but that thing is like I I do think it's it's getting close to the time to retire this character, and well, yeah. they. I mean, I get the feeling that what they probably do is they probably kill Optimus off permanently in the movies if they were going to do Oof. that, which. Do you attempt, like, <laughs> a Bumblebee Prime, a Mirage Prime? Do you just completely redesign Hot Rod and do Rodimus Prime? Do you attempt any of these things? Like, Optimus dies in part two, new Prime for part three? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they've got the confidence or... I mean, <sighs> it's also, this movie didn't do well enough for us to even be speculating on no, what I they're going to do with this as a didn't franchise. didn't even mention that. Biggest, uh, lowest grossing or, or biggest money losing, maybe both. So yeah, Rise of the Beast cost two hundred million, made four hundred thirty-four million. Uh, Bumblebee did four six eight on a hundred, so for sixty-five million dollars less, and it made sixty or thirty million dollars more. Probably uh, a smaller marketing budget as well. I yeah, think they exactly. Pretty big on this, so. But then this has been this has been the summer of like every movie underperforming really yeah. like it so took barbie. until barbie and oppenheimer, <laughs> barbie and oppenheimer are the two and now we're now people are putting out think pieces of what if oppenheimer does a billion dollars which is just absolutely fucking insane i don't think anyone <laughs> thought oppenheimer the three hour r-rated biopic was going to be a a billion dollar grocer but yeah. really we're not confused that... about what's going on like i want to see fucking turtles next week and you know it's probably out on home video by the time you hear all this but like I wanted to see it in cinemas I was like oh I can wait another week and like turns out I can't (laughs) they have like reduced its screenings massively already but hey that's my problem yeah so Noah doesn't really like them Optimus doesn't like him Mirage does like Noah and is like hey he can be useful he offers to (laughs) he's like let me pay you like sell me I can look like any car you want uh, and then I'll just drive off, obviously, and you'll you'll get your money, and off you go. He turns into his classic, like more F one style car. Yeah, because um, they were because uh, Ferrari will not let them use a Ferrari because <laughs> they've got all kinds of contractual weirdness on well, it. Well, they they let them use them once, and then they were like, 
that all sucked. Never use us again, basically. <laughs> he will turn into a garbage truck at one point, and I think in the original cut, he made it clear he was using his his powers to to simply look bigger because without that, the implication strongly is he's like the infinite and he can turn into anything of any size. Or he's got the mass displacement thing. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as we know from the comics, it's a painful process to go through. <laughs> we do. I do like the idea of like, yeah, sell me and then I'll drive away. They throw in this like cutesy line about, oh, Marky Mark's leaving the Funky Bunch to try and act. And so... No, I mean, <laughs> there's there's so many references in this movie. I mean, obviously, there's a Power Rangers shirt, which is some Hasbro synergy, which I'm sure was like very much on purpose um, for these guys. I'm almost shocked that they didn't decide to make the Power Rangers cross over with the Transformers uh, in a certain fashion. In, in a piece of Paramount synergy, uh, the the like Noah and his brother called themselves Sonic and Tails yeah. over the Morky Talkies. Which, yeah, the the other Paramount franchise that is actually making money at the moment and is getting a third movie imminently. Um, what was the, the big movie I... that like moved away from Sonic 3's release date and everyone was like, they fear Shadow? <laughs> it, was, it was like a major, major movie. Oh, it was Avatar. Avatar, Avatar moved away from Sonic 3. Well, it's more that, like, you know, obviously Cade Yeager like, was played by Mark Wahlberg yeah, yeah. and they're like, oh, no, it, it's like how in Friends they love Die Hard and then fucking Bruce Willis does a couple of guest episodes. It's like, okay, in your universe, is this guy just a dead ringer and no one's acknowledging it? In the Friends I mean, universe, all... did somebody else star in Die Hard? It we bothers me and no one else. We all need to do the Ocean Twelve move of have the actor, have the actor play a character and then also play themselves. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if you caused it, but everywhere I'm seeing, hey, fuck you, Ocean's Twelve is good actually, and it's like come off the back of you saying that. And I haven't seen this opinion in the wild ever, and now I'm seeing it everywhere. And I assume it's you, but. Or has something <laughs> I, happened I, that's made everyone do a big Soderbergh rewatch, or what? Like, uh, I don't know if... I mean, I know I'm doing a big Soderbergh rewatch, but I don't know why other people will be doing a big Soderbergh rewatch. But you're rewatch. not doing it because of Blank Check or anything, are you? I am doing it because of Blank Check. Okay, well maybe there's just a lot of blankies out there who are... They're covering, they're covering the Ocean's trilogy right. exclusively. Okay, maybe it's them then. <laughs> but, right. but then the thing that bugs me the most in these references, just to get this off my chest, is the kid comes into the room holding a Game Boy and goes, I can't even beat Bowser. And this was the second text I sent you, which was Bowser's not even the boss in a Game Boy game. So I don't know what the fuck he's playing. <laughs> which playing. might be the nerdiest thing that I've ever texted anyone. Look, um, Noah I think, I think is, I... is sitting there like, isn't he like trying to get them like free cable or something? Like maybe he's like hacked him together, like a Neo Geo that plays NES games or something. <laughs> maybe. Like... I think I texted you and said like, I mean, I would be more respectful if they said Tatanga, who is the villain <laughs> of Super Mario Land. But I was like, obviously they can't do that. I say um, I know. I never got to him when I was a kid. I just played those first like four levels a hundred yeah. times and never beat the. But fucking the thing, thing is, you could do. I can't beat Wario because Wario is the main villain of a lot of the Super Mario Land games on the Game Boy. Yeah, how and could people they, know Wario? How could they fail the Mario canon this way? I know, I know. I mean, like, Elon Musk played Wario on SNL. Wario has got mainstream <sighs> credentials. I love that. That's your justification. <laughs> I mean, where else has Wario shown up in like mainstream media? I mean, obviously, I feel a know. lot of ladies cosplay as Waluigi and Wario in a sort of like ironic way, but sure, right? So we've got a key, we've got a big light in the sky. All the Transformers want it. Elena's got it. Here comes Scourge. You know, time for our big fucking fight. Like, 
you know, we've got Noah and Elena, like, the misunderstanding of, like, he's here to rob you, and, like, he is. She calls security, and then Scourge just blows a hole in the side of the museum, and, yeah, we have a big fight, it's... It's whatever. No, the fight, the fight is so dull, and the only yeah. thing worth talking about it really is that Bumblebee dies. He does, joining the illustrious club of everyone who debuted in Transformers 07 on the Autobot side. They've all died at some point. Most of them die at about the one hour mark. <laughs> it's, it's oddly like clockwork. It reminded me of there's a fight scene in X Men Dark Apocalypse. Uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix with, it's just this really dull fight with like Cyclops dropping the F-bomb and like there's a bus maybe and Magneto and it's just the most boring fight scene you've ever seen and then for some yep. reason Mike really liked it and I was like what are you doing? Yeah, they have a big fight and, and B is killed and Optimus gets his fucking ass kicked. A real Dark Knight Rises situation where in their first fight, villain just mops the floor with, with Hero mocks him and then they fight again and for no real reason he just beats him the second time like there's no like moral lesson well i don't know maybe optimus's new love of humans has empowered him to be better at punching people but i was looking for some like exploitation of a weakness or he trains with optimus primal and learns the ways of the beast or something i don't know yeah, there is there is nothing in this movie which make, gives Optimus a power up. The closest they get to a power up is like they get reinvigorated near the end of the fight, and they just get managed to beat everyone. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it is yeah. weird. There's not even enough of like characters teaming up to take down other characters. It really is just uh, they're better. Yeah, like oh, we need fight. to combine our beast style with your truck style. Like they do that once. They yeah. do that like when Optimus and Optimus team up to take down one of the Terracons, I forget the names of them. Um yeah, who could possibly care? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, giant air razor arrives to save them. I was tickled the entire movie by how enormous the Maximals are. Like canonically they're smaller. They are the size they can blend in with actual sized animals, but well for the most part, like I think Scorponok and that are a bit bigger, but Cheetor is the size of a cheetah, like that kind of thing, because uh, they're more energy efficient over time, so they've gotten smaller. And here they are way bigger than all of them. <laughs> for the like, Air Razor is, looks like a fucking Quexicotal ass, like Aztec bird of death, raining fire down on everything. Except she's not the one that's from South America. <laughs> no. She's based in where do they say that she she settled down because she had like. The whole thing is like she had a tribe of Maximals as well, but they've seemingly mm. also all died, and now she's alone. And, and they had the bird statue the that Elena has, yeah, found. And oh, and Scourge gets the key, but it's only one half of the key. And and he gets he gets taken the piss out by Unicron within what is quite a funny scene where like <laughs> Unicron is just like, "This is half of it. How are you such a fucking moron? You didn't realize yeah, that doing, you only gave me." They're doing the Avengers one thing where like. Scourge is like telepathically transported to communicate with Unicron and then when he's like, you know, chewed out afterwards, he, it turns out they're just in a room looking at a wall kind of thing, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, yeah, so it's exposition time. We have to go to Peru. You know, Air we meet a couple more Autobots. Yes, Airazor will very briefly allude to the fact that we are from your past and your future. Again, the time travel aspect is greatly reduced uh, after test screenings where, like, yeah, Optimus Primal is named after Optimus Prime, but through timey-wimey bullshit, they have ended up 
in the same time as them. The thing is, they explicitly <laughs> say the trans warp key allows you to travel through time and space. Yes. And potentially that is opening up why the continuity is all fucked, but no, why bother? <laughs> more more Transformers show up, like as you say, like we we're gonna meet Wheeljack, fucking Danny uh Danny Rojas. Danny, Danny Rojas. <laughs> Look, I'm not as attached to Wheeljack as I am Hot Rod, but it still ain't right what they did to Wheeljack. <laughs> One of the more recognizable Transformer designs in a world where a lot of them have very similar shapes. Uh, and they choose to just ignore all of that and make him just very strange looking. Yeah, the... it, it's it's very weird. There's a weird. I mean, obviously, like they cast Anti Ramos in this movie, and they decide to have a bit of fun with it as well. Where Anti Ramos is like, like, oh, you've got a you've got a Spanish accent. Like, where are you from? And he's like, what do you mean accent? I don't have an accent. This is just how I talk. And this is racist of you to make an assumption that. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that is that is. <laughs> A choice of a joke. Very weird, but obviously, like, it's kind of... Especially, I mean, I'm not going to say that um, Christo Fernandez has got, like, the most recognisable voice in the world, but, like, being on the television show as big as he is, it definitely does kind of, like, give his voice a certain notability to it. And so it's just, yeah, I, I don't know if that is something that came from, like, a joke that was written into the script because they knew who they were going to cast or if it was something that they went into the movie, yeah. like, already planning on doing. I mean, Probably. I mean, what do you think of, like, the new voice actors because obviously it's it's christopher fernandez as as wheeljack it's dinklage as scourge and then it's common domingo as unicron oh and and obviously pete davidson as mirage i knew ages ago that peter dinklage was playing scourge i watched the entire movie not knowing or i guess i forgot and i was like oh i guess that was peter dinklage I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> I thought he was perfectly fine. Michelle Yeoh is working with what they've given her. Yeah, we mentioned Yeoh and Pellman as the as those two. Yeah, they're all okay. I like I quite like Arcee's voice actor. Given, like you know, Arcee briefly appears in Revenge of the Fallen. Like Michael Bay famously is like, I think motorbikes are dumb. I guess was reluctant to tackle gender in Transformers in general. But, like, RC is your, like, main female Transformer, so she gets another go around. Apparently she's a YouTuber who, yes, who got I heard big this. on Vine. I heard this. That's upsetting. But I like <laughs> I like their take on RC this time around. I wish she did more. Apparently there was, like, a yeah, romance apparently... with Wheeljack that yes. they dropped. Yeah, I, I really think, I think it's pretty so... sick when she's hanging out the side of him while he's driving and she's shooting at people, if I'm being honest. Like, in a movie but... that's mostly boring... I, I do think that was pretty fun. I guess it makes sense, though, because it's like, what's the thing you're going to cut if the movie's getting to two and a half hours? It's like, we probably cut the romance between the, the, the sixth and seventh main uh, Autobots. Yeah, but, like, I'm always complaining that, like, it's always, like, Optimus, Bumblebee, and the rest, and the rest get their one joke each, and then nothing else happens to them, and, like, maybe some kind of interpersonal dynamic would be something. But yeah, it's also bizarre because obviously the last movie ended with like seven Autobots arriving on Earth, I think is the number of, of like, like those that. those yeah. things that arrive. And obviously in this, you presumably find out that it's Optimus, Mirage, RC, Wheeljack, Stratosphere, and then potentially like a couple others. Well, I forget Optimus it's was a very there, weird group. So it's got to be the seven. Was he? Yeah, because him and Bumblebee looked up at the seven, unless you're oh, saying there were six. But yeah, like Optimus and Bumblebee are like walking in the woods and then they see more of these like touching down. But you know, you've got a stratosphere, the giant grumpy plane. I guess he could be one of them. Uh, yeah. I think he's my favourite of the new of the mm. new Autobots in this movie. He's He's Just... got like 
deeply in the Jetfire or their version of Jetfire wheelhouse. I mean, I don't they're like, like we just need to keep we just need to keep John DiMaggio employed in these movies. I mean, like, I'm fine with will... that. Pay John DiMaggio, but yeah, <laughs> not a fan of that. We have a thing here where like Noah wants to destroy the key, and he doesn't want like he quietly says to Elena like, "Hey, we gotta look out for Earth. If we destroy the key." it will save the earth but like it will strand the transformers here and he's like yeah we'll fuck them which you know i'm not mad at them for like giving a shade of gray to a main character like that rather than just always doing good all the time but yeah there's a big festival and they're like we'll make too much of a scene send the humans in odd choice i don't know if the peruvian government tossed them some money to like feature them or something yeah yeah. we get the weird decision of like well what what is transformers missing transformers is missing tomb raiding yes so absolutely they they go find where they think the second key is going to be and find that it is an empty box an empty box always fun in in one of these movies optimus primal moved it given the absolute fucking size of him compared to like where they're poking about i'm dubious he could manipulate all of that but never mind yeah so like everyone fucking make a run for it fight blah 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 air razor gets hit with like a little mine like a thing a barbed throwing device that gradually drives her insane and lets scourge track her yeah she she throws it off at first where she's like if if scourge touches you it it like leaves a mark and then he uses it to like psychically possess her so that she she turns on the rest of them but it's all yeah it's it, again like, all of this is just so underdeveloped where like you're just basically relying on the fact that like you like Michelle Yeoh as a voice actress to like yeah. make this work but in reality like they get chased out of the this Peruvian city and they just end up meeting the other uh, Maximals and apart mm. from Optimus Primal they just have no personality and nope. It's all kind of based around kind of like here is here is uh, like where we live in peace with the peace with the local people and we protect we... them. Optimus Prime doesn't approve. He says they're more than meets the eye. It's just it's just all all of it is so rote and obvious, and then it basically just builds up the fact that like Ares betrays them. Scourge gets the like other half of the key yeah. and. We're then in like it. it we got half an hour left on the movie, and we've got to to end it. Like well, the I mean, only other piece of the only other piece of business that like we haven't set up is they've been dragging Bumblebee's corpse around with them, and yeah, they leave yeah, him yeah. on like an energon rich rock. Yeah, they're like, oh, could we use this to revive him? And like, oh, sorry, we don't have an energy like signal powerful enough. And then obviously the the big villain plan will end up doing it. But yeah, we, they leave him behind. Air Razor asks Optimus Primal to fucking kill her. <laughs> So he does. <laughs> That's kind of, kind of some rough stuff. Um, Apparently, there was a deleted. Well, like the original plan they were going to have was they were going to use Ares as spark as like a bomb to blow up the, uh, blow up the energy or like blow up the the console. And the the Elena plan was the backup, which sounds really dark. Like it sounds like yeah. a lot of the stuff that got cut from this movie was like actually really dark and kind I of think like they're like they're looking at Bumblebee and how that's a pretty fun movie and they're trying to like keep this breezy, keep it shorter, try and ride that wave a little bit. But like if this is the lane you've always been in and it's what's made money in spite of how good or bad they are, maybe just do what you wanted to do. The thing is, I would appreciate if they got into like the the greys of this war and the such, because obviously this yeah. is this isn't. 
and that's the other thing is there's no real mention of the Octobot, uh, the Autobots Decepticon War in this movie. Like this no. is just a, a whole other group of people has come down and basically gone like I'm going to do this, and there's no mention. I'm not of, like, confident they say the word Decepticon in the movie. Yeah, they might, it, but I don't think they do. It's it is just weird where we understand that they're stranded and they're trying to get home to 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 fight the rest of this war, but really like. There's, I don't. There's no urgency from anyone, and no one is kind of annoyed that this is happening. Or Scourge seems to have no relationship to anything that's going on, other than he's bringing in Unicron. And yeah, I mean, as you say, like they're throwing in so much stuff that it makes the stuff that doesn't get mentioned kind of more apparent, I guess. Where like mm-hmm. Unicron works as a as a final end game for kind of where all of this is heading, where the the Autobots and the Decepticons are so distracted they don't realise that this this huge greater threat is kind of on the horizon and yeah. and whatnot. And instead they do this version where it's like, well, Unicron is the first threat that they're going to face in this new sub community uh, continuity. So wild to go that big that quick. <laughs> like, where do you go from the guy that eats planet? Yeah, like Noah considers like he has the key and he's about to destroy it. Optimus pleads him not to. Like they vaguely bond finally, and that, as we jokingly said, apparently empowers this final charge. Like Scourge uses the key. We get another. It's always a fucking tower. Like <laughs> another fucking magical tower sprouts out of the ground um, in the middle of nowhere. There's no humans around, yeah, but like there's, there's lava whole, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole shitload of terracons that are able to like attack everyone because the the enemy forces need to have more people. It can't be the team of Autobots that you've already got versus the the team of like named villains you've already got. No, you because... need you need fifty disposable people to be wrecked. <laughs> like... That's the thing is, and it just it just makes this final sequence so much noise where it's like they they show the Autobots and the Maximals attacking and you finally get to see the Maximals transform because yep. fuck they, they Air Rays are apparently... and They wait 90 minutes to have them transform and as you say, Air Rays are never got to. I appreciate, like, trying to make it a big moment, but, like, when they finally do it and it's done in, like, a long shot where it's against, like, a muddy, dark background and then they never get, like, a focus moment in the fights other than if you want to say Cheetor sh- chucks a spear at one point... I guess that's a thing, but like, give me a big Rhinox moment and give me a big Cheetor thing, but none yeah, of that. The, really only, the only ones that get anything to do, it's it's Optimus and Optimus when they take yeah. down Battletrap and they get the moment at the end where they're like, oh, that was going to be my kill. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, and it's, just <laughs> it, yeah, it's so nothing. And like, they, they do that so early and not on Scourge, where like, Optimus Prime is the one that takes down Scourge on his own, ultimately. It really like, there's does no, feel just... like the Maximals' role in this final sequence is, is a lot smaller than it should have been. Um, yeah, for a movie that is pinned on them, and like they are the, the main like selling point, they do nothing. Like... And like, Scourge drove them off their homeworld and killed, presumably, Optimus Primal's mentor, and he doesn't even interact with him at the end there. Like he, Yeah, he saves Optimus Prime from being sucked into the portal at the very end, but... They just kind of fade into the background and are just there for a big sweeping CGI shot. They're like, it's funny every time we get to this point in the movie, and and for Bay it was a forty-five minute sequence. Here it's like twenty, twenty-five. I my brain just switches off. I mean, not that it was like really firing on all cylinders up to now, but like every time we hit these, I'm like, okay, and I like I know what's yeah. coming for the next half hour, and it just never moves me ever. 
it, it, it like again the closest they ever got to this was in dark of the moon is the is the really the closest they ever got to like this final sequence yeah. being a thing and again i say closest because it still doesn't quite do it but yeah <laughs> it's just they, yeah. they've set up the kind of the three villains that you've got scourge nightbird and battle trappers the, the terracons optimus and optimus take down battle trap trap nightbird gets taken down when bumblebee it's comes Bumble- back to yeah. life so fucking Bumblebee jumps out of a plane to LL Cool J's uh, Mama Said Knock You Out, which obviously starts with the line, don't call it a comeback. Um, apparently, audiences were, like, cheering when he returned, so I no think matter what American I say about... Insane. Well, there's that, but, like, no matter what we may flippantly say about you have to have Optimus and Bumblebee in all these movies, I guess we can never overstate how popular Bumblebee is as a character in this franchise. I just can't imagine a world in which Bumblebee dies in the first 20 minutes and then, again, it's the same thing they did in 2 where they literally lug his corpse around the whole (laughs) fucking movie. And yes. then he shows up at the end, like jumping out of stratosphere, and it's like and kind of like one v fifties them, and it's like when did Bumblebee get this powerful? Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing is the only other thing is that Mirage and Noah are kind of like fighting off Scourge whilst Elena tries to do her thing, and it ends with like Mirage gets to do the cool thing of like he becomes three and like manages to use the the other Mirages to distract Scourge to get a punch in and all the rest of it, but ultimately sacrifices himself to protect noah and then in the course of sacrificing himself we we've seen him like give noah like a hand energy blaster at points and and... asks him don't uh, you didn't ask where that came from on my body yes (laughs) (laughs) but then we get the the ultimate reveal which is that noah gets to use mirage after death essentially as a as a suit uh, of armor that he can run yeah, around in he becomes and... iron man at the end kind of and this is like it's fascinating to me that like you've had all of these quasi all all of these human protagonists have gotten way more rough and ready than they had any right to like sam is just some dipshit kid and Cade is just a inventor explicitly nowhere as ex-army he never holds a gun in this movie he never uses his military training and I guess it's just their way of explaining how he can so quickly adapt to this like exosuit so he can wreck shit. But like this is the one time you don't have the human do way too much <laughs> until the end. But yeah, like he, he gets his little powered suit and gets teamed with Bumblebee and like yeah. he basically like uses Bumblebee as his like main <laughs> end, like vehicle traveling into battle and yeah. and it just it just ends with uh, like Scourge destroys the, or like they destroy the panel that they're going to use to to turn off the giant beam yeah, of light. Yeah, like Elena and... has this magic code to turn it all off, but then it gets blown up. So then they've got no choice but to blow the whole thing up. Which they were like, oh, if you do that, it will be like a supernova. And it's like that sounds pretty damaging to the Peruvian landscape. But apparently, <laughs> it's all chill, bruh. Um, yeah, Optimus yep. Prime kills Scourge, like knocks his mask off. In an earlier cut, like, I guess we were going to see Unicron, like, seemingly killing some random Transformer, and then, oh, it turns out he got turned into Scourge. Without that, it's just, oh, I guess he's got a different looking face than we thought. Uh, melts him in lava, like, <laughs> kills the fuck out of him. Tells everyone else to leave, and, uh... But, of course, Primal and, and Mirage Noah don't listen yeah. and save Optimus' life, and they run away from, like, the collapsing landscape. Apparently How? the original... 
the original cut of the movie was going to be Optimus actually did go through the portal to, to yeah. Unicron, and that was the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and the end of the movie is going to reveal Unicron's like entire like visage because we haven't seen yeah. all of Unicron in one shot at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, I, and again, I don't. I think they realized that that would be a dumb ending because it's like, yeah, I, who How actually, does Optimus get out of that situation without just becoming Nemesis Prime actually, again? Who actually cares about? Like Unicron's default form, unless you're gonna have him turned into fucking robot form, yeah. which I don't, I don't know. Think maybe just the sense of scale of it, or he's got Optimus or whatever. Optimus Primal tells him your sacrifice becomes our oath. So I guess this is the reason he's named after him. But yeah, and like, how many movies is this now where like Optimus has had to give up their way home in order to protect the Earth? Like, I feel like it has happened many, many times at this point. I mean, but it's so nebulous. Either the whole thing is, like, they're going to bring Cybertron to Earth, or Cybertron is already dead, or... I think it's, like, it's just... It's so exhausting, the idea of Cybertron is dead, and so therefore we have to settle somewhere else, but also we'd really like to go back to to Cybertron to kind of, like, protect it. I don't don't know, it's just... I just just can't deal with having Optimus declare Earth as our home now nine times in a row. You yeah, know, Autobots like... come here. Like it, it feels like a toy mandate to basically end these movies with a Autobots. This is our home now, so more Autobots arrive in time for for the sequel. So it's a, a slightly different cast. Right, right, right. And we can sell you them early. Like these are the Autobots that came. Here's your sneak peek. But then we'll give them all exactly. new designs next time anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that thing is like there is an Air Razor toy that got released in conjunction with this movie. Who is mm. like has a robot form. They never show it in the fucking movie. I don't think <laughs> any concept art of an Air Razor like Transformer. But I mean, and is it even? A, I don't even know if it's like a re redeco of like an old one or if it is like a brand new air razor model or whatever. But like yeah, like it exists. I could go out to a store right now and go buy a Rise of the Beasts air razor if get I really it, really get want it signed to. by Michelle Yeoh. Maybe yeah. everyone goes home happy. Noah gets you know like Elena is credited for discovering this stuff in Peru. Noah gets the job interview finally they're like talking about the gap in his in his resume and he's like oh i spent time in south america and then the guy it's the classic movie thing of like oh i hear peruvian food's good and he's like i didn't say peru and then our big reveal is this is gi joe they want him they hand him a card end credits if that's the way they want to go sure i think as people who are not american we will never fully grasp how big gi joe may or may not be to me it's nothing like it's almost a silly thing i would reference like oh look fucking gi joe's i think it does enjoy a pretty decent fandom in terms of collecting retro toys and stuff whether there's enough of an audience to do a big G.I. Joe crossover movie, I don't know. It sure fucking bothers me when they show up in the comics that I'm enjoying and then like, oh, here's fucking G.I. Joe. I'm like, no, go to hell. <laughs> like, um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, like, G.I. Joe was never a thing. Like, the UK version was obviously Action Man. And even then, like, when we're growing <laughs> up, Action Man is not... It's not a one-to-one thing where, like, the, the thing that happened to us when growing up was Action Man was a... Basically, like, triple X, I guess, is the closest incarnation, where it's, like, all extreme sports, where it's, like, he's a snowboarder, he's a yeah. rock climber. Yeah, um, astronaut and action man. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, and obviously Hasbro owns Action Man as well, and, and in the comics they put Action Man into these fucking things. That really but... fucked me up when I got to that, and he's called, like, Tim or something. I was like, no, fuck you, he's not called Tim. 
Well, they're trying, but they're but like they're not even doing Action Man from like nineties kid perspective. They're doing it as like soft James Bond, and this is obviously like Army Guy. And I mean, obviously GI Joe is a thing because I feel like it is referenced an awful lot in terms of I know people. Uh, who is the the main villain of uh, Cobra Commander? And obviously, like everyone yeah. was like wanted to hear Joseph Gordon Levitt do the Cobra Commander voice. Yeah, once uh, in a the... man and all that shit. Yeah, but and... I, yeah, I got speed to him. Like they're gonna try and do this, and apparently it doesn't count as one of the two sequels to this movie. But they are going to try and do a GI Joe Transformers crossover. Are they gonna keep the the other movies in like? Are they going to be in continuity? Will we so. still have like Rise of Cobra retaliation and Origins? Oh right, like... I, don't, I don't fucking know. I've seen the first one. I could tell you fewer than three things about it. it um... I mean, that one's—it's still one of the funniest like relics. Where like the first movie kind of bombed, they dumped the entire cast and decide to pivot into having like The Rock as your main character, and then in between, <laughs> a tale as least, old as time. <laughs> in between those movies coming out. Channing Tatum becomes an actual legit star again, so they have to reshoot the bulk of like the early movies so that Channing Tatum has a slightly bigger role than he was originally going to have. Good. I'm glad that happened, actually. <laughs> so, so they dumped him because he wasn't famous enough, and then he got more famous. They're like, wait, 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 come back. <laughs> like... Yeah, because I think I think he'd already I think he'd your magic mic shot... now. Like... Yeah, he'd already shot his like death scene for the movie, and yeah. then. Like Magic Mike and uh, it was like Jump Street. What is it? Yeah, it's Magic Mike, Jump Street, and like all these other movies came out, and they were like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" He's actually like well liked and figure out his lane now. Um, yeah. Obviously, his best we... role is as uh, Danny McBride's gimp slave. And uh, this movie does a thing that annoys me so much. You have a distinctly of an era soundtrack consistently throughout the movie. Then we hit end credits, and obviously it starts with Biggie and Hypnotized. But then they move into their, like, here's a song that an artist, a contemporary artist has written for the movie, and it just completely takes you out of it, because like, I know what, like, 2023 music sounds like compared to 1994 music, <laughs> and, like, it's fine, like, you know, who could care if you're in the credits of a Transformers movie, but it bothers me when they do this. Um, yeah. Mirage is fixed in the mid-credits, whatever. Just... Should we do a ranking, just to kind of, like, close this off? Like, we've, we've been talking about these movies, we're done with the movies now, there's still the, sure. the final comic book episode, but, like... Yeah. The Last Night is the worst thing in the whole fucking world. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen Basically. is just above that, um, as just the messiest thing in the world. Just above that is the most boring thing in the world, Age of Extinction. Then this, which is, after talking about it, I think I'm more annoyed at it, and some part of my brain is like, it's pretty cool then Frasier's a badass like government agent <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll say this then one three Bumblebee have I lost a movie in there or is that cool? no you, that is okay. all that is all seven movies which is okay. basically my ranking except last night is like two places lower so it's <laughs> sorry two places higher so it's Range of the Fallen Age of Extinction in six last night in five Rise of the Beast in four Transformers in three, Dark of the Moon in two, Bumblebee in one, and that that fourth placement is very much kind of like a, a big gap. <laughs> it's a big gap. Like the first three are movies that I could probably throw on again and not want to like. For me, there's a big gap. Like I think Bumblebee's like actually good. Like not yes. just good for a Transformers movie. I'm like I would watch Bumblebee every three years for the rest of my life. Fuck it, why not? Whereas the rest of these are just a pile of garbage. <laughs> like. 
even the good one is like it's not very good though is it <laughs> it's just we're working on a scale where it gets as bad as movies can get so yeah. by comparison yes dark of the moon is fucking shakespeare <laughs> compared to the last night or for you revenge of the fallen yeah and it's it, but it's i think it also kind of gives us this hint of like like rise of the beast feels like it's a very rudderless Hasbro mm. and obviously Hasbro have had some issues this year in terms of like uh, they've made some redundancies yeah. and the movies aren't hitting the same way and I'm sure Paramount are also kind of a little bit like mm, do we want to actually I mean they, they sold E1 to Lionsgate this was an E1 production so like... I think they're I think they're involved on some level but yeah it's all it's I don't know it's hard it, to it be... feels very like Marvel like you know we we have gotten sick of talking about Marvel um, on our other podcast Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey Movies feel like they're made by algorithms these days, and there's just no heart or voice or take anywhere, and they just keep hiring people to just limply get movies to the finish line, and it's all VFX-driven, and we're constantly hearing about VFX companies struggle to meet deadlines, and nothing has any bite to it, and this is their one of those. At least Michael Bay had a very distinct voice. It's a voice I frequently really didn't like, but... (laughs) I would rather yeah, but that. It, but it's, it's it's interesting. Is is like it's not good, but it is interesting. And I mean, it's sort of the similar vibe that I had with watching the latest Indiana Jones movie, where I'm like, this movie is better than Indiana Jones: The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But if you're gonna put a gun to my head and tell me which one I'd rather rewatch, I'm probably gonna go for Crystal Skull over Dial of Destiny, yeah. purely because like there is an actual filmmaker doing things in that mm. movie and it's a it, and it's a shame to kind of like we're going to end up in this weird like they're not really going to put any effort into these they're going to find guys who are maybe not ready for the big time to to to, to do these movies and yeah. i i mean i there it's a real hard when you actually have a good movie that they're seemingly not interested in following up and then the two sequels that they've got floating around are a last night two and a rise of the beast two and neither of those are things that i'm particularly interested in seeing yeah, a sequel on, to on the actually word of like maybe michael bay doesn't direct it but a a full-on actual follow-up to the last night is still I, on the I, table it's always the one that like they they've put the pin in where it's yeah. like these these are the two that they've got like in in their mind but again i have you have to imagine that the the box office returns on this movie have kind of like scared them off like yeah. green cutting anything yeah. immediately. They have to, but like they they very boldly announced, yeah, two sequels, Transformers One, G.I. Joe movie, like Godspeed to them, because this didn't do well. And like what how do they pivot from here? Like, do they say, Well, maybe the beasts were the problem. Maybe we need to go back to just all the trucks. Maybe truck not monkey is is a correct <laughs> stance to have. Um for yeah, me it, all all eyes on Transformers One. Is it something or is it just a kind of is it is it a lot like this? People have been begging for can we have a fully animated Transformers movie? Can we have something that just looks like the beginning of Bumblebee? They finally do it and they do it so compromised, you're like, Oh, thanks. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's it, it but it does feel Hasbro are like super, super rudderless at the moment in terms yeah. of the only thing for them that is is wholly working is they just keep on reinvigorating the cartoon series every few years. And like that is mm. the main thing that they're thrusting towards. And I, I obviously ITW has wrapped up like completely. Like they got they reboot after the after next week's episode that yeah. we'll be doing. That runs for about three years and now now we're heading into into Skybound's era. Yeah. 
but like that first issue hasn't released at the time that we're going to be talking about these episodes. I don't think it's actually going to be out even by the time the final episode of this drops. We really don't know what the comic world is going to look like beyond this point. But it's talking about the the glory days of Dreamwave, I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's a take. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's but, saying yeah. that just like kind of tongue in cheek. It but. does feel like the most stable part of the whole thing at the moment is Earthspark, which which has nice little reviews. I think some people are super mad there's a trans character in it because obviously the internet continues to be filled with monsters. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a. Uh, it, I've seen some of it. It's it's okay. I don't think it's for me, but I think it seems fun. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's what's the nice thing about the Transformers animated shows, which we obviously have not spent any time on over the course of this, is that like they do reboot themselves kind of like every three to four years, and each time they are fundamentally kind of a different take on Transformers. Like, very rarely do you have a cartoon that is like identical to a previous version. Yeah. A lot of them are Earth based. They very rarely are based on on Cybertron or anything like that. But Never, like basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, like, but that's the thing is, it feels like that is the only kind of consistent thing, and even then, it's consistent in how inconsistent it is in terms of the the takes that it's using. And it'd be interesting to see whether or not there is stability in the brand around the corner. But it feels yeah. like this is a, a general thing for a lot of Hasbro's. Yeah, they're struggling. Uh, like, like, I, I know what I was thinking of when I said uh, an an E one property bombed uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which I watched yeah. last night. That is all. That also huge flop for them fun movie like decent enough but yeah they are just not doing so good right now and big movies aren't doing so good right now and what a time to have a writer's strike and to have this seeming imminent implosion of streaming on the horizon fun times uh that's movies we are done talking about them maybe if one million of you beg we will go and do the original transformers movie as a bonus episode at the end but for now we are done with movies we are not done with the podcast we have an episode next week and that is concluding the lost light series that is issues 13 to 25 volumes three and four everything remaining basically um of of the lost light we will see how they wrap their universe up their story up even doesn't involve unicron but does involve some very large transformers <laughs> a potentially a transformer bigger than unicron <laughs> Uh, I think he's meant to be like basically the same as Unicron but anyway that is for us to discuss next time until then thank you for your time Benjamin thank you audience maximize this is why why we fight why we lay away this is why this is why we Come to me